Thank you, Pam. Well, this week uh, we start a three-part series on uh, using our time, our talents, and our treasures to bring glory to God. And so I've uh, been enabled today and uh, really privileged to share with you about using our time for the glory of God. So I've got some statements. Time really is a big deal, see? It's a big deal. You see that? It's really a big thing, isn't it? Sometimes we're warring against time, you know, we don't have enough time or... You know, we're trying to kill time or whatever, but God has a different idea. He wants us to redeem time. So I want to share some, some uh, statements, some quotes about time with you that I ran across this week. And these, some of these are, they kind of take you a little while to think, think them through. Time is a great teacher. Unfortunately, it kills all its pupils. Okay. You realize that, don't you? And then here's three statements by Woody Allen. One of them has been attributed to Albert Einstein, but these are all Woody Allen's. Why are our days numbered and not, say, lettered? Don't you, have you ever wondered that? Why, how come our days are numbered and not lettered? I'm, anybody know back there? Okay. So he's very profound. Woody Allen, a very profound guy. And this one, also from Woody Allen, eternity gets really long, especially near the end. Have you ever thought about that? That's, that's, really, that's way out there, isn't it? And then he says, this is also for physicists, but it's really Woody Allen. Time is nature's way of keeping everything from happening at once. I like that. You have to think on that one for a while. And then here's a good one. This is anonymous. The days of the digital watch are numbered. I like that. This is, this is highbrow humor. I'm not, yeah, come on. You really got to think it through. Here's one for the ladies. Time is a great healer, but it's a poor beautician. How many of y'all been going to the same hairdresser for 30 years? And, you know, and I, you know I've been going to the same barber for 40, 47 years, my wife. And uh, my hair keeps changing. It's getting thinner all the time. Here's a good one. My dad used to quote this. Time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana. That's good, isn't it? Fruit flies do like a banana. Now, here's, here's some that are a little more serious. In fact, this one's by Charles Dickens. I really liked it. I, I read this the other day, and I thought, man, that is great. A day wasted on others is not wasted on oneself. Isn't that good to think about? A day wasted on others is not wasted on oneself. That reminded me of that uh, story where the woman came and broke the alabaster vial of perfume on Jesus' feet, and people around her going, man, what a waste. We could have built a house for Murray Gossett in San Jacinto or something. But anything we give to God, anything we waste before God, and when we serve others, Jesus said we're doing the same to him. A day wasted on others or another is not wasted on yourself. Though a person makes no time for recreation or recreation, he will, she will for illness. Isn't that something? We may put off and put off and not take care of ourselves. We may not take a rest for ourselves, but we will take time for illness, won't we? Right now counts for eternity. That's a quote of R.C. Sproul that is the heading in his Table Talk magazine, the column he wrote each month. Right now, right now counts for eternity. And then this is my favorite because this is my favorite person in all of church history outside the apostles. Martin Luther said, I live for two days, today and that day, because all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account for how we've spent our life. Has it been redemptive for the kingdom of God? 
You know, the prophet Jeremiah, for several chapters, starting about chapter 27, going through 42 in, in his book of Jeremiah, he wrote a lot about restoration. And he was speaking to a people that really didn't get what was going on. Very few of them understood what he was saying. And this is what he said, wherever you are living, however difficult the circumstances, whether it's an exile and captivity, and you and I are really in exile, we're away from our home right now. However difficult, however dark it might be, I want you to plant gardens. I want you to eat the produce of those gardens. I want you to marry, and I want, to give you, I want you to give your daughters in marriage, and I want you to bless the nation that I have you living in. Isn't that something? That means that's what we're to do. We're called to live redemptively. We're called to take our time and invest it in eternity. And so that's what I want to share with you about today. We're going to do that by reading in Ephesians chapter 5. You can find that in your pew Bible, uh, pages 1244, 1245. We're going to start in the, just near the first part of verse 14. But before we do that, let's pray together. Father, we uh, come into your presence, God. We thank you for your word, God, how often it has raced to us and given us consolation and courage, God, counsel, when we've needed it so desperately. How often it's convicted us, God, and convinced us of truth and how it always heals us. God, we thank you that you've sent your word to heal us, God, to make us new creations, planted it in us and caused us to bring forth fruit. God, we're dependent upon you. We thank you that your word is here at our disposal today. We pray, Holy Spirit, just like you have inspired this word, you would now write it on the tablet of our hearts that we might become more in agreement with it and reflect the goodness of Jesus in all that we do. And in all of that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, near the start of verse 14. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, just as I was reading that, I just thought about my dad who went to be with Jesus about a year and a half ago. When I was a, when I was a small kid, sometimes we'd have Saturday outings. He, he was a big, big into archaeology and did a lot of work with archaeologists around this region. And oftentimes our Saturdays were given to going to a dig and working someplace, cataloging everything we found, turning it into WT. And I remember he would wake us up before dawn. And this is the way he woke us up. He'd walk up and down the hall going, Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, children of the Lord. You know? And then, and then about a year and a half ago, as he was dying, preparing himself to go see Jesus, and he'd walk around the living room into the bathroom with his cannula hooked on, and he'd be on his walker, and he'd be praying and, and I remember he'd be singing songs bringing in the sheaves bringing in the sheaves we shall come rejoicing bringing in the sheaves my dad sang all of his life he sang psalms and hymns and spiritual songs out of the overflow of his heart his love for God and his desire to be fruitful and redeem the time of his life for eternity I just thought of that as I read that again. That's, that was a great testimony to me. Still is. So I'm redeeming the time now. You and I have been called to redeem the time that we have for the days are evil. 
The days are evil. Sometimes we wonder about that. Why, why, why are things so bad, you know? I mean, if we're not focusing on, on the hope that God set before us, times are really bad, aren't they? I see all this stuff happening around, and I think, man, people have lost their minds. Really, they never had the mind of Christ. They're just running around looking for something that satisfies. But you and I who have met Jesus, we have been commissioned to redeem the days and the times of our life and our generation, just like those people that were sent into exile for 70 years that Jeremiah was speaking to. They were called, even in those dark times, to redeem those 70 years. And you and I are to do the same. We're called to redeem the time. We don't know how many days we have. God does, but we're to redeem them. We get up every morning, we've got a new day. God's mercies are new. He wants us to be about the business of redeeming his time. So we're going to talk about that some today. You know, time wasn't always around. God created time. God created time. He lived in eternity. He still lives in eternity. But there was no time. There was no change because time really becomes a measure of change. That's what it measures, isn't it? It measures change. God set the sun and the moon, the stars and the heavens to show seasons. He shows those changes that we go through seasonally. We see the sun rise. We see it set. We see all these changes. We see our bodies age. We see plants grow. We see all th- kinds of things. My youngest granddaughter is 15 years old, and I'm going, well, you've got to be kidding me. I still call her, her older sister the little girls. I'll tell Denise, I'll say, I wonder what the little girls are doing. And I'm going, well, I've got to change my language. They're 15 and 16. You know? They're not little girls. Time just keeps going, doesn't it? I forgot a good quote from Kermit the Frog. Time's fun when you're having flies. That's a good one, isn't it? Time's fun when you're having flies. Time really does keep going, doesn't it? But God not only created time, but he made it for us so that we could make progression in life, that we could be fruitful and multiply, so that we could redeem this new creation, time, in this planet, in our generation, to the praise of his glory. So he made time for us, and then he came into time. This is the pinnacle of time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law and the consequence of that law, sin and death. God broke into time. That's the pinnacle of time. Everything flowed toward that moment. Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. And now it's flowing toward eternity. And we're going to join God in eternity. God never is encompassed by time. He's not limited by time. He bends time to his purposes. He makes all things beautiful in its time. He changes everything to good for those who love him in time. He takes all of that and bends it back around to the praise of his glory. And those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ are flowing downhill toward eternity. And in the meantime, we are redeeming time by the way that we speak the thoughts we entertain, the words we speak, the places we go, the people we interact with. This is our charge to redeem time to the praise of God's glory. What a privilege. What a precious thing. So, you know, it's good to sit on the dock of the bay and waste time. But we don't want to do that too often. There's a time for that. But we always need to be mindful of the fact that we're living before God and we're going to give an account for the way that we spend our time so I want to share a few things out of this passage here about time how it's important for us I've already mentioned how it's a it's a creation of God it's a gift to us he's given us time he's given us how many many days we have you know 
We don't know that number, but God does. And so we're constantly praying to him, God, give me a heart of wisdom so that I can utilize the days you've given me for that purpose. This is the prayer of Moses in Psalm 90. This is what his desire is, a man who knew a lot about God, who knew God face to face and visited with him. He said, God, I want to, I want to present you a heart of wisdom. I want to redeem my days. So we have this reality that it's a gift and it's a measure of what changes in us over time as we give our days to God. The Bible calls that process sanctification as we are conformed more and more closely to the image of Christ Jesus, looking at him, being transformed from one degree of glory to the next until we see him face to face. And John says, then we'll be just like him because we've been working to give our lives redemptively all this process. And it's a great thing. See Jesus face to face. And then we're going to be just like him because of investing our time now. But there's a, there's a fly in the ointment, isn't there? What is wrong with time? We war with it. We don't have enough of it. We waste it. And it seems like a, the times we live in sometimes are so terrible. You and I are living in the in-between times. You know, you remember the sons of Issachar back in First Chronicles chapter 12? They knew their times. You know what that meant? Here's the time. David had been anointed king in Judah but he'd not yet ascended to the throne that would cover all of Israel. They were living between the times. And so knowing their times, they lived to invest themselves toward that time when David would become king of the whole nation. Esther was put into Ahasuerus as a wife, the king, in order that in that time she might save the people of Israel. For such a time as this, you and I have been planted in this. Listen to this. I've got to read this to you. This is so good. I, I thought I might not, but I will anyway. The Bible's better than what I can say. So, Acts chapter 17, Paul's speaking in Ephesus. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And that's something he made nations and he planted you and I geographically and chronologically where he wanted us to be. That's what he's done for us. We're here in Amarillo, Texas this morning. We didn't get here by mistake or just a roll of the dice. God doesn't do that. He created us, put us in this generation. We're living in the in-between times. Jesus has come in the fullness of time, but he's coming when all of time will come to fruition and he will be glorified in the second advent by all of his saints as we ascend with him to praise God. So here we're living in that time that Bart and George Eldon Ladd spoke about back after World War II. Jesus has won the victory. D-Day has been completed. It is finished. But you know, it was 11 months later before VE Day was declared in May of 1945. And the Allies were simply mopping up, knowing inexorably that they were going to conquer Hitler. We're in the same position. We have the same assurance. We know because Jesus has been raised from the dead that we can redeem our time. That the adversary of this age who makes things so dark, the God of this world who blinds the minds of the unbelieving, makes it dark that all things will turn and come to fruition when Jesus appears. We know that. And those who are in him will be caught up with him in that time. This is our assurance. This is our heritage. And so then it's, this is what it says after that. Being then God's offspring, all these nations, we ought not to think that the divine beings like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man, the times of ignorance God overlooked. 
But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a certain day on which he will judge the world. I think uh, Eugene Peterson says in that passage, he says, time's up. Time's up. God now declares to, in Jesus, through the gospel, everywhere, repent, turn in. The kingdom is here. Become a partaker. Begin to redeem your time, your life, to the praise of God. Take your days, take your weeks, take your months, take your generation, and begin to redeem it for Christ Jesus. And so there are a few things that we need to know living in this dark time, living between the times. How can we redeem time? How can we invest our time Sunday, November 10th, 2019, in heaven? Well, we're doing part of it right now, aren't we? We came here to worship. We came here to give God his due. We came to lift his name. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yeah, yeah, all time, all goodness, all grace. Every good thing comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no shadow of variation due to change. We came to give him his due. We came to give him his Sabbath. Did you know that the Sabbath is about 14% of a week? God says, I want 14% of your week right off the bat. We'll be glad to give him more. The better we know him, the more we want to give to him. But he says, I need 14% of your week. I don't want you on Lake Meredith. Who'd want to go there anyway? You know what I mean? Come on. I mean, that's not great scenery, is it? Maybe Tahoe. But I don't want you on the lake. I don't want you in the woods. I don't want you in the ox with your ditch every Sunday. I want you to give me this 14%. And I will pour back into you my grace, my mercy, my truth. I will transform you from one degree of glory to the next. As you come and look at me in my word among my saints, I will bless the time you invest with me. When I was a young man about... Forty-something years ago, I was working for the Bureau of Reclamation. I used to have an office here in Amarillo. And I lived over near Bivens, and I'd walk down to what used to be the old Fedway building. Remember the Fedway building, which is now WT something, you know? And I remember going in that with my mom, and they had elevator operators. That was something. You'd get in the elevator and say, and he'd pull the switch, you know, and you'd go up and say, second floor, women's lingerie. <laughs> and I was like 10. I said, I don't want any women's lingerie, you know. But, I, but I'd walk down to that building because that's where the office of the Bureau of Reclamation was. And I would walk down to that building and I would pray and I would meditate on scriptures I was memorizing because I decided at that time in my life I was going to start trying to tithe my time to God. That's about 2.4 hours a day. I thought I'm going to tithe my time to God. So I'd get up early and I would pray. Then I'd read some. And then sometimes I'd fall asleep and I'd wake back up and I'd go at it again. But I said, I'm going to give you 10%, God. I already give you 10% of my money. I want to give you 10% of my time. And then it slowly began to dawn on me, all of my time is God's. All that I am, my whole generation of existence belongs to God. These 70 years are 80 if by strength. I'm to invest them for the purposes of God. And it will be satisfying if I do that. Listen, I'll tell you what's dissatisfying is to be conformed to this world and invest in all the stuff that perishes with the using. That is dissatisfying. It will never satisfy the human soul to get a bunch of stuff, to get a bunch of acclamation. That does not satisfy. We've been ripped off, man. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they think this temporal sphere that we live in is the be-all and the end-all. It ain't nothing compared to eternity. Eternity gets really long near the end. It never stops. And God has invited us into eternity, in our time even, to start investing there. And the first way we do this, the thing that is so necessary for us to stand, understand is this. If you're in Christ Jesus, your past is sanctified. There's no double jeopardy. 
It's been covered. You've been washed. You've been sanctified in the Holy Spirit. Your past has been done away with, good and bad. You don't have to look at that anymore. You don't have to regret that anymore. You don't have to ponder over that and be melancholy over your past. It is sanctified. Your future is secure because Jesus says it is finished when he died on the cross. And the hope that he sheds abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit is a sure anchor that goes into the presence of God and God slowly, inexorably reels us in on that chain. We are kept by the power of God. So God, if he was a robber, which he's not, he's a giver, he would say, I want your money and I want your time. Not either or. I want your money and I want your time. But he wants us to know this. You will never regret sacrificing your present you will never regret it I will make sure of it you'll get friends and family in this age and the age to come a hundredfold if you will invest in the kingdom Jesus said this you want to follow me deny yourself take up your cross and follow me you'll never regret following me you'll never regret giving up this day for that day never that's a hard lesson to learn though isn't it but God's given us some tools. He's given us some ways to do that. It's, it's all understanding time that God has got it in his hands, and he's got us in his hands. Here's some things we can do. Paul kind of alludes to them. One is, and this is essential, and it's really at the core of it, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When my dad got us up on Saturday mornings, he wasn't doing that for fun. I mean, it was fun for him. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he sang psalms and hymns and spiritual songs all the days of his life. And he wasn't even a good singer. They used to say in choir at First Assembly of God down on Northeast 8th on Amarillo Boulevard. So, you know, they got five parts in the choir. Tenors, basses, altos, sopranos, and Dick Carter. But he loved to sing, man, because he loved his God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And everyone who has called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ has been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Him. But everyone who's called upon the name of Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. We're all charismatics in this building, man. Oh, not that. Yes, we are. We're all gifted. We're all gifted for the glory of God. So this is essential. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. By that he meant, since the Holy Spirit was coming after Pentecost, you won't, be able to, you won't be capable of doing anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. But then you'll be my witnesses. So, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the starting point. Second, budget your time. Everybody's got 24-7, right? Everybody's got the same amount of time. We have to budget that time. The older I get, the more I realize I can't always do the things I used to do or want to do. And I think of it in this way. I've been thinking a lot this lately. You know, there are so many things to pray for, aren't there? I mean, so many needs. Do you know that there are over 2 billion people in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus? They've never even heard his name. Man, God, send labors out into the harvest. Do you know there are so many ministries that need financial support in order to get into those countries? Do you know there are so many people here in Amarillo that are hurting and suffering, families that are broken, bodies that need healing? People are dying, and they need to be ready to go and see Jesus face to face. There are all these needs, but I can't pray for all of them. But you know what? If the church prays together, we will cover the basis. If you pray for your sphere of influence and I pray for mine and the ministries I give to and you pray for the ministries you give to, do you know that all those bases will be covered? And I got this great quote and I'm going to give it to you. I keep using it everywhere I go the last several weeks. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, very quotable guy. 
He said this about prayer. He said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Man, I love that picture. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Our prayers, weak and feeble though they are, helped by the Holy Spirit, hit the heart of God, rebound to time and earth, and redeem situations far removed from us, across oceans, across generations. Prayer is powerful. And so we pray. We've got this. And so we pray on Sundays together. We worship. We redeem the time by doing that. We budget our time. We have to. Know your gifts. Every believer needs to know their gifts. Did you ever get a job and, you know, you're sitting around the table with all the other employees and everybody says, this is what I'm doing, and you get to, get to you and they say, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, the boss doesn't keep people like that. I mean, he doesn't hire people that don't have abilities. God, when he filled us with his spirit, the spirit of God brought gifts with him. And we are to know what those gifts are and to employ ourselves toward the improvement of those gifts and to employ them in the places where we live and to use them in the church that we might build one another up. We're all gifted. We've all got gifts. Employ those gifts as God gives us opportunity. Act on it where you are and when you are. That's what the children of Israel were told that went into Babylonian captivity. You know, you, all of us, we go into a workplace, we go into a school setting, we go into a family setting. We're the priests. We're the prophets. We've been doing our priestly duty. We've been praying. We've been interceding for our place of an influence. Now we come and we bear the truth. We're the prophets. We become truth speakers, truth givers. So I want to encourage in this. We are called to redeem time for eternity. God has given us his spirit. He's given us gifts to employ. He flings us out into the harvest to bring light where there's darkness and we keep investing in eternity. And you know, when we get there, when we see Jesus face to face, we won't say, boy, I wish I'd gone to Wonderland more often. No, 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 that's not what we'll say. We'll probably say something like, oh man, I wish I would have prayed more. Oh, I wish I would have known Jesus a little better there. But praise God, I know him and I'm received into his presence. All because Jesus redeemed us by the precious blood that he shed on Calvary. We belong to him. I hope you belong to him. If you don't, this is the thing to do. Seek the Lord with your whole heart, and that's when you'll find him. Isn't this great of God? He says, seek me. You seek me. You seek me. You'll find me when you're serious. When you're serious, you'll find me. God never turns any seeker away. Anyone that comes to him in truth and brokenness, he never turns them away. Let me pray for us. Father, again, we want to thank you for your great and tender mercy toward us. God, you are patient. You have all the time in the world, literally, and on into eternity. You've created. We might share it with you. God, help us to do that, to learn to do it better. God, help us. Give us your spirit, God. Give us your spirit over and over. We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us, refresh us, strengthen us. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Dan, for that time, Mr.